And uh, I, have some, I have some pictures to show you. The pictures will also be on the screen as well. So you can either stand around me or sit around me. That's fine, either way. And you guys got my lapel mic? Okay, good. Okay, the story of Christmas. And uh, you guys can all listen as well as we uh, have the pictures on the screen also. Well, it kind of starts here in Luke chapter number 1 in verse 26, where the Bible says, In the sixth month the angel Gabriel was sent from God unto a city of Galilee named Nazareth. All right, we have a map here, and on that map there is a city that has the name Nazareth. Can anybody find that city? Oh, good job. Look at you guys. You guys are pretty smart. You guys can read. Good. Uh, and Mark can read. I'm really happy about that. <laughs> Nazareth is up there in the north part, the top part of that picture next to the Sea of Galilee. And so that's where uh, Joseph and Mary were. Uh, and Mary was, uh, that's where the angel came and appeared to Mary. Well, the next verse says, He came and appeared to a virgin, a spouse to a man whose name was Joseph of the house of of David, and the virgin's name was Mary. The angel came in unto her and said, Hail, thou that art highly favored, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women. And when she saw him, do you think she was happy and excited, or do you think she was a little bit scared? Scared. Scared, yeah. The picture says that she was pretty scared there. And the verse says, She was troubled at his saying. And cast in her mind what manner of salutation this should be. And the angel said unto her, Fear not, Mary, for thou hast found favor with God. And behold, thou shalt conceive in thy womb, and bring forth a son, and shalt call his name. Anybody know what she was supposed to call his name? Jesus is right. Very good. He shall be great, and shall be called the Son of the Highest. And the Lord God shall give unto him the throne of of his father David, and he shall reign over the house of Jacob forever, and of his kingdom there shall be no end. Well, moving over to the book of, uh, or chapter 2 of of the book of Luke, it says in uh, verse number 1, it came to pass in those days that there went out a decree from Caesar Augustus that all the world should be taxed. And this taxing was first made when Cyrenius was governor of Syria. Uh, taxes are something that your parents have to pay, and they probably complain about it too, <laughs> because I know I do. Well, Caesar Augustus made everybody to go to their hometown to be taxed. And so uh, Mary was pregnant with Jesus. And the Bible says in verse 3, it says, And all went to be taxed, everyone into his own town. And Joseph also went up from Galilee out of the city of Nazareth, into Judea, under the city of David, which is called... Anybody know the name of the town they were going to? Bethlehem. Man, you guys know this stuff. This is great. Bethlehem, very good. Because he was of the house and lineage of David, to be taxed with Mary, his espoused wife, being great with child, that means she was very pregnant and probably didn't enjoy the journey. Okay, well, when we get to Bethlehem, what did they find? Well, verse number 6, And it was so that while they were there, the days were accomplished that she should be delivered. And she brought forth her firstborn son and wrapped him in swaddling clothes and laid him in a manger because there was no room for them in the inn. 
So they get there, and I don't know how many inns there were, maybe perhaps only one, only one hotel for them to go and stay in. And here's the picture of the innkeeper there saying, I'm sorry, we're full. We're totally packed out. There's no room for you here. And so there's a picture of Joseph kind of trying to break the news to his uh, fiance, saying, um, yeah, there's no room here. Um, that was probably not his favorite or their favorite conversation of all time. Um, so there was no room. So where did they have to go? Anybody know? To a stall, to a stable. Yep, very good. And so the next picture, we find them in that stable there. And uh, verse 7 again, she brought forth her firstborn son and wrapped him in swaddling clothes and laid him in a manger because there was no room for them in the inn. And you see the swaddling clothes there that they wrapped Jesus in. And those were little clothes, um, little rags that they would oftentimes wrap a newborn uh, baby lamb in. And isn't that a pretty neat picture because Jesus is the Lamb of God, isn't he? Well, right after that, uh, the Bible says in verse number eight of that same passage, and there were in the same country shepherds abiding in the field, keeping watch over their flock by night. And lo, the angel of the Lord came upon them, and the glory of the Lord shone round about them. And do you think they were pretty excited? They were probably pretty scared, right? And the picture shows them being a little frightened here. The Bible says actually they were sore afraid. And the angel said unto them, fear not. You don't need to be afraid because I bring you good tidings of great joy, which shall be to how many people? Anybody know? All people. All people. Everybody. Does that even mean me? Yeah. Does that mean you? Yeah. What about the people sitting out there? Yeah. What about the people watching online right now? Yeah. Okay, to all people. Okay. And then the next verse says, here's the great news. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, which is Christ the Lord. Yes, another name for Jesus, Christ the Lord. Yes. And this shall be a sign unto you. You shall find the babe wrapped in swaddling clothes, lying in a manger. And it's pretty neat that he chose shepherds to make this announcement to. He didn't choose the kings of the day. He didn't choose the priests of the day. He chose lowly shepherds because Jesus said later on in his earthly ministry, I am the good shepherd. And of course, shepherd would want to go take care of their sheep. And Jesus was the great lamb of God as well. Well, and then finally, or next verse says, And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly host praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest. That's the song we just sang. Gloria in excelsis Deo is glory to God in the highest. And on earth, peace, goodwill toward men. When it came to pass, as the angels were gone away from them into heaven, the shepherds said one to another, let us go even, let us now go even unto Bethlehem and see this thing which has come to pass, which the Lord hath made known unto us. They said, let's go check it out. Uh, they were excited and wanted to go see. And so what did they see in verse number 16? They came with haste and found Mary and Joseph and the babe lying in a manger. So there's the shepherds there. 
and they come into the, sh- the stable and they see um, Mary and Joseph and then the baby. And when they had seen it, they made known abroad the saying which was told them concerning this child. And all they that heard it wondered at those things which were told them by the shepherds. And the next verse says, But Mary kept all these things and pondered them in her heart. She began as a mother looking at her newborn baby boy and just began to wonder about all the things that she had heard and all the announcements that she had received herself and and now the uh, the word of the, the shepherds and what was going on there. Just She just kind of took it all in and was having a special mother moment. I imagine probably like your, all of your mothers did when they held you for the first time. Well, going over in uh, to Matthew, uh, just a little bit after Jesus was born. Now, when Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea in the days of Herod the king, behold, there came wise men from the east to Jerusalem, saying, Where is he that is born king of the Jews? For we have seen his star in the east and are come to worship him. And when Herod the king had heard those things, he was troubled in all Jerusalem with him. Does Herod in this picture look like a really nice king that you'd want to go and say hi to? No. no. Uh, you'd probably want to avoid him at all costs, right? He kind of looks like he had he uh, ate some bad Chinese food or something. I don't know. He looks kind of mean right now, doesn't he? Well, verse number four says, And when he had gathered all the chief priests and scribes of the people together, he demanded of them where Christ should be born. And they said unto him, well, he was supposed to be born in what city again? Bethlehem. Bethlehem, thank you. Bethlehem of Judea, for thus it is written by the prophet, And thou, Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, art not the least among the princes of Judah, for out of thee shall come a governor that shall rule my people Israel. Then Herod, when he had privily called the wise men, inquired of them diligently what time the star appeared. And he sent them to Bethlehem and said, Go search diligently for the young child, and when ye have found him, bring me word again that I may come and worship him also. Okay, did Herod really want to go and worship Jesus? No, he was scared that Jesus would kick him off his throne. And so he wanted to destroy Jesus instead of worship him. Well, these wise men... Uh, when they had heard the king, these wise men departed, and, and lo, the star which they saw in the east went before them till it came and stood over where the young child was. And when they saw the star, they rejoiced with exceeding great joy. And I think we have another picture of the, the star there. And then when they finally get to the house, here's what they found. When they were coming to the house, they saw the young child with Mary his mother, and fell down and worshipped him. And when they had opened their treasures, they presented unto him gifts. What gifts did they give? Do you guys remember? Myrrh is one. Frankincense is another one. What color is your hair? Red. Red. Strawberry blonde. Close. Golden color, right? So gold, thank you. Gold. My hints weren't helping. <laughs> uh, they brought gold. 
frankincense and myrrh. All right. And then being warned of God in a dream that they should not return to Herod, they departed into their own country another way. And then the last picture we have here is when they were departed, behold, the angel of the Lord appeareth to Joseph in a dream, saying, Arise and take the young child and his mother and flee into Egypt and be thou there until I bring thee word. For Herod will seek the young child to destroy him. And when he arose, he took the young child and his mother by night and departed into Egypt and was there until the death of Herod, that it might be fulfilled, which was spoken of the Lord by the prophet, saying, Out of Egypt have I called my son. So here we have Mary and Joseph leaving Bethlehem and heading down to Egypt to fulfill prophecy and for Jesus' safety because uh, Herod was going to destroy all children two years old and younger. Um, and so the Lord took care of uh, this family during that time. And that's, we could spend a lot more time looking at a lot more scriptures, but that's basically the Christmas story. And that's what the Word of God says. It's not about Santa Claus. It's not about elves in the North Pole. It's about Jesus coming to this earth in the form of a little baby. And that's what it's all about. Uh, we also have a little gift that we'd like to give you at this time. It's uh, a candy cane with a little story about, I'm going to read the candy cane story to you, and you'll each get one of these. And you guys can go ahead and be seated. I'll go ahead and read this story real quickly. The story of the candy cane. The story tells of a candy cane maker in Indiana, here in the United States, who wanted to make a candy that would help us remember uh, who Christmas is really all about. So he made a Christmas candy cane. He incorporated several symbols for the birth, ministry, and death of the Lord Jesus Christ. He began with a stick of pure white, hard candy. White to symbolize the virgin birth and the sinless nature of Jesus. Hard candy to symbolize the solid rock, the foundation of the church, and firmness of the promises of God. The candy make maker made the candy in the form of a J to represent the name of Jesus. It also represented the staff of the good shepherd. The candy maker then included red stripes. He used three small stripes and a large red stripe to represent the suffering that Christ endured at the end of his life. And so uh, let that be a reminder of what Jesus did for us as you eat it and enjoy that wonderful Christmas candy. Well, this time we're going to go ahead and uh, turn our attention to the screen. We're going to watch a very brief video, and uh, then we'll have another song in a moment.
God became flesh and dwelt among us. Praise the Lord for that. Uh, well, let's go ahead and stand together one more time, and uh, we'll sing uh, Away in a Manger. I think we haven't sung this particular song uh, yet this Christmas. Uh, maybe we sang it uh, a couple weeks ago. Maybe we did. I don't know. But we'll sing it again uh, here, 121 in your hymnal, if you'd like to look there. And uh, we'll sing Away in a Manger, all three verses of this song. seated. This time we're going to have a special, uh, my favorite song of all time, O Holy Night, and I'm thankful for Miss Tammy working on this, and uh, listen to the words of the song, and then after this song we'll get right into uh, a brief message uh, as well. So, Miss Tammy. stars are brightly shining. It is the night of our dear Savior's birth. Long lay the world in sin and error pining till he appeared and the soul felt its worth. A thrill of hope, the weary world rejoices, for yonder breaks a new and glorious morn. was born. O night, O holy night, O night divine. 
stand. So let my light of a star sweetly gleaming, here come the wise men from Orient land. The king of kings lay thus in lowly manger, in all our trials, born to be our friend. He knows our need. To our weakness no stranger, behold your King before him lowly bend. Behold your King before him lowly bend. Truly he taught us to love one another. His law is love and his gospel is peace. Change shall he break for the slave is our brother and in his name all oppression shall cease. Sweet hymns of joy in grateful chorus raise we let all within us praise his holy name christ is the lord oh praise his name forever his Tonight, uh, if you would turn to Matthew chapter number one, want to try to finish our series that we started uh, a couple weeks ago, uh, the names of Christmas, and uh, we've been looking at uh, seven different names of the Lord Jesus. We have uh, really studied most, well, all of Isaiah chapter nine and verse number six. We we looked at all five of those names. And then now tonight, we're going to wrap it up with two different names, one mentioned in Isaiah and the other mentioned also in Matthew chapter number one. Uh, while you're turning to Matthew chapter one, I do want to read one of them found in Isaiah chapter number seven and verse number 14 as a, another prophecy in the book of Isaiah regarding what Jesus, uh, his name would be called. In Isaiah chapter 7 and verse number 14, the Bible says, Therefore the Lord himself shall give you a sign. 
Behold, a virgin shall conceive and bear a son and shall call his name Emmanuel. And your Bible is open to Matthew chapter number 1. In verse number uh, 18, the Bible says this. Uh, well, let me go ahead and, uh, yeah, let me start in verse number 18. Now, the birth of Jesus Christ was on this wise, when as his mother Mary was espoused to Joseph before they came together, she was found with child of the Holy Ghost. Then Joseph, her husband, being a just man and not willing to make her a public example, was minded to put her away privily. But while he thought on these things, behold, the angel of the Lord appeared unto him in a dream, saying, Joseph, thou son of David, fear not to take unto thee Mary thy wife, for that which is conceived in her is of the Holy Ghost. She shall bring forth a son, and thou shalt call his name Jesus, for he shall save his people from their sins. Now all this was done that it might be fulfilled, which was spoken of the Lord by the prophet, saying, Behold, a virgin shall be with child, and shall bring forth a son, and thou shalt call his name Emmanuel, which being interpreted is God with us. Then Joseph, being raised from, the sleep, from sleep, did as the angel of the Lord had bidden him, and took unto him his wife, and knew her not till she had brought forth her firstborn son, and he called his name Jesus. So we see these two names mentioned in Matthew chapter number one, uh, very significant names that we want to highlight very briefly uh, tonight on this Christmas Eve, the name Emmanuel and the name Jesus. We've already seen how Jesus would be called Wonderful, uh, Counselor, the Mighty God, the Everlasting Father, and then last Sunday, uh, we looked at the fact that Jesus would be the Prince of Peace, but now uh, his name also would be called Emmanuel and Jesus. Now, over 250 names and titles given to the Lord Jesus Christ in the Bible, and uh, we want to uh, finalize this little series with these two names, Emmanuel and Jesus. First of all, let's look at these. Uh, let's look at the name Emmanuel, and let's notice first number number one this evening that Emmanuel speaks of his person. Uh, this name Emmanuel, it, it, it describes who he is as a person. Uh, remember in verse number uh, 23 of Matthew chapter 1, it says, Emmanuel, which being interpreted is God with us. So for this, uh, this particular thought, I want to zero in on that first word of the interpretation of Emmanuel, God. Um, you see, this name speaks of his person, who he is. Now, Jesus, um, our Lord and Savior, he was fully, first of all, he was fully, fully man. You see, Jesus exhibited the attributes of man. He was hungry. Uh, he was tired. He was thirsty. He even wept at the tomb of his friend Lazarus. He felt physical pain at the crucifixion. Uh, he was a man. He, uh, he was, as Isaiah put it, a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief. So Jesus was fully man, but then not only was he fully man, he was also fully God. He was fully God. Again, uh, here Emmanuel means that God uh, came and was with us. Was Jesus a good teacher? Yes, he was. Was he a good example, a good man? Yes, he was all of those things, but more than that, he was fully God. He was deity robed in humanity. God with us. 
While he was fully man, he was also at the very same time fully God. How can this be? I don't know. <laughs> He's God. He's able to do that. And I, as a, as a very finite man, cannot wrap my head around an infinite God. Neither can you. But the Bible declares in John chapter number one and verse number one, in the beginning was the word and the word was with God and the word was God. And then the very a few verses later in verse 14, it says in the word who was God became flesh and dwelt among us. Philippians chapter number two, Paul says it this way in verse number five, let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus, who being in the form of God, thought it not robbery to be equal with God, but made himself of no reputation, took upon him the form of a servant and was made in the likeness of men. And being found in fashion as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient unto death, even the death of the cross. Emmanuel, God with us. Uh, Paul said it this way in 1 Timothy 3 and verse 16. And without controversy, great is the mystery of godliness. God was manifest in the flesh. Well, the mystery is great. Not because it is very mysterious, but because it is so astounding. The mystery is the amazing truth that God was manifest in the flesh. It means, for instance, that the eternal one was born into a world of time. You and I are bound by time. God is not. You and I have a... Uh, we're, we're, we're bound by time. I mean, we, we live a certain amount of time and, and uh, our days are a certain amount of time and, and uh, all of that. Well, well God, God is not bound by any of those things. And it's hard for us to wrap our minds around that because all we know is the boundary of time. But God, who is eternal, was born into a world of time. You see, the, he, the timeless one, lived in a sphere of calendars and timepieces. The one who is omnipresent, existing in all places at once, confined himself to a single place like Bethlehem or Nazareth, Capernaum or Jerusalem. It is wonderful to think that the great God who fills heaven and earth should compress himself into a human body. As men looked at him, they could accurately say, in him dwelleth all the fullness of the Godhead bodily. The mystery reminds us that the Creator visited this insignificant planet called Earth. There's only a speck of cosmic dust relative to the rest of the universe, yet he bypassed all of the rest to come here. From the palace of heaven to a cattle shell, shed, a stable, a manger. From the palace of heaven, he traded all of that to come and be born in a horse trough or a feeding trough. The omnipotent one became a helpless baby. It is no exaggeration to say that he whom Mary held in her arms held Mary. For he is the sustainer as well as the maker. The omniscient one is the fountain of all wisdom and knowledge. And yet we read of him that as a child he increased in wisdom and in knowledge. It is almost incredible to think of the owner of all arriving unwelcome in his own premises. There was no room for him in the inn. The world knew him not, and his own received him not. The master came into the world as a servant. The Lord of glory veiled that glory in a body of flesh. The Lord of life came into the world 
Uh, think about this. The, the Lord of life came into the world to taste death. The Holy One came to a jungle of sin. The one who is infinitely high became intimately nigh and near. The object of the Father's delight and of angelic worship hungered and thirsted and was weary at Jacob's well, slept in a boat on Galilee, wandered as a homeless stranger in the world his hands had made. He came from luxury to poverty with no place to lay his head. He worked as a carpenter, never slept on a mattress, never had hot and cold running water or other conveniences that we so take for granted. And so when it says, yes, he is fully God, considering the sacrifice that God made to come to this earth is literally mind-blowing. Uh, just a tremendous uh, example and, and display of, of love. So Emmanuel, that name Emmanuel speaks of his person, who he is, but it also speaks of his presence. Number two, Emmanuel speaks of his presence. Remember the name Emmanuel being interpreted means God with us. And so for this thought, I want to emphasize the word with. Uh, this speaks of his presence, that he came and dwelt among us. One summer night during a severe thunderstorm, I was reading about a, mon a mother who was tucking her small son into bed. She was about to turn the light off when he asked in a trembling voice, Mommy, will you stay with me all night? Smiling, the mother gave him a warm, reassuring hug and said tenderly, I, I can't, dear. I have to sleep in Daddy's room. A long silence followed, and at last it was broken by a shaky voice saying, the big sissy. <laughs> you see, having the presence of someone who cares makes all the difference, doesn't it? And no presence is quite like the presence of the Lord in our lives. And he loved us so much that he came and dwelt among us. God with us. So first, as we consider the fact that he came to dwell among us, let's notice here that he came to dwell with men. See, Jesus came to dwell among us. He, he, knew, he knows what it's like to go through what you and I are going through and experiencing here in this life on this earth. Hebrews chapter 4 and verse, verse 15 says, For we have not an high priest which cannot be touched with the feeling of our infirmities, but was in all points tempted like as we are, yet without sin. So Jesus knows what it's like to experience temptation, knows what it's like to experience uh, difficulty and trials and tribulation. He knows what it's like to go through what you're going through right now. Well, he may not have experienced the exact same scenario, but he understands and he cares. He came to dwell with us. He traded the wonders and the beauties of heaven to walk the dusty, dirty earth. He traded the praises of angels for the mocking and rejection of men. He traded heaven's throne for a life and ministry in which he had nowhere to lay his head. He did that to dwell with us, to be with us. I recently shared this story, but there's a story of, of a woman who left her husband. Their marriage was 
uh, beginning to break down, and she decided that it was time for her to leave, and so she left. The husband immediately called the police and filed a missing, missing persons report. A few weeks later, the police ended up finding her a few counties over, and they asked him if he wanted them to take him to her. And by now, the husband had realized how poorly he had treated his wife. And so he decided to write his wife, and he did so for months, trying to get her to come home to be with him. Well, finally, Christmas came, and he decided that he was going to go see her in person. And she was found in a rundown hotel. And in the conversation that he had with her, he asked her to come home with him, and she agreed to do so. And on the way home, he asked, you know, I've written you for months, letter after letter, asking you to come home. Why did you decide to come home now so easily? She replied, well, because those were just letters. This time you came in person. This time you came and dwelt with me. And see, on that holy night, that night divine that Tammy just sang about a few moments ago, when Christ was born, God came in person to show us how much he loved us. Yes, he said he loved us in, in the word of God, but he came in person to prove it, to dwell among us. And so as we consider Christmas presents, and uh, how many of you still have Christmas presents to wrap tonight? Yeah, my hand is up. Uh, hopefully my family's hands are up too, because uh, I'm hoping to get a lot of Christmas presents tomorrow. But, but as we consider Christmas presents, really the greatest Christmas present really is the presence of Christ. When he came to this earth, that was the greatest present we could ever get. And so he came to dwell with men, but then more importantly than that, he also came to dwell in men. And for this, I want to turn to John. You don't have to turn there, but John chapter number 14 and, and, and read a couple of verses from John chapter 14. In verse number 16, as Jesus is explaining to his disciples there uh, about 33 years after Christmas, uh, after he was born, he's about ready to die and he knows that. And so he's preparing his disciples for that time when he's gone. He's trying to comfort them. And so he says to them in John 14, verse 16, and he says, And I will pray the Father, and he shall give you another comforter, that he may abide with you forever. Even the Spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive, because it seeth him not, neither knoweth him, but ye know him, for he dwelleth with you. And then this last phrase in that verse says, And shall be in you. So yes, Jesus came to dwell among us, God with us, but then the Holy Spirit, uh, when we believe on Christ, the Bible says that the Holy Spirit comes and immediately indwells the believer. And so now we have God in us. Pretty amazing. Pretty remarkable. And so we see here that Emmanuel, it speaks of his presence as well that he would be with us. But then I want us to look at the last name we're going to talk about here in this series, and that is the name Jesus. And this name speaks of his purpose. It speaks of why he came. The name Jesus mentioned here in 
uh, verse 21 and 25 of Matthew chapter number 1. This name Jesus means Jehovah is salvation. Jehovah is salvation or Jehovah comma the Savior. Isn't that beautiful? Isn't that a beautiful uh, description and explanation of what the name Jesus means? Jehovah is salvation or Jehovah the Savior. Jesus, by the way, is also the Greek equivalent of the Hebrew name Joshua. As we consider Joshua in the Old Testament and how he delivered the people from bondage and brought them into the promised land in a much greater way, the Lord Jesus Christ came to deliver us from the bondage of our sin and to deliver us into the promised land of heaven. That's why he came. That's why he was to be named that. And uh, verse number 21 says uh, of Matthew chapter 1, And she shall bring forth a son, thou shalt call his name Jesus, for he shall save his people from their sins. Again, was he here? Did he come to be a good teacher and a good example and to be kind and gracious? Yes. And to do all kinds of miracles? Yes, yes, yes. But, but ultimately, he came to save us from our sin, to deliver us from uh, the bondage of our sin. So he came to deliver us from our sin. There's three aspects of the sin of sin that he came to deliver us from. First of all, he came to deliver us from the penalty of sin. See, all of us are sinners and we all deserve to pay the price for our sin. The penalty of our sin is spiritual death and separation from God forever in a place the Bible calls hell and the lake of fire. That's what we all deserve. That's the penalty that all, all of us deserve to pay because of our sin. And yet Jesus came to deliver us from that penalty. Uh, we were guilty, all of us. Um, I don't know if you've ever been pulled over by a police officer for speeding. Um, I may or may not have. I cannot confirm nor deny whether I have. Um, but, but every time that that may or may not have happened in my life, I've been guilty Guilty, guilty. I, I, I can't say to him, you know what? I, I, no way was I going that fast. No, every time I was like, you're right. Please have mercy upon me. A sinner. <laughs> A lawbreaker. When it comes to our relationship with God, you may not be as bad of a sinner as I am, but look, we're all guilty. All of us are. And we all deserve to pay this penalty. And yet Jesus came to deliver us from that penalty. Uh, we no longer have to deal with that as a believer. I'm thankful for the fact that I don't have to go to a place called hell. But actually, not only that, I get to go to a place called heaven. And that's a pretty wonderful thing. So he came to deliver us from the penalty of sin, but he also came to deliver us from the power of sin. As a, as a believer in Christ, as we live our Christian life, we're still going to be tempted to sin and we're still going to have the old nature that is going to be fighting against the new nature that uh, there's going to be that constant battle. But, but look, as a believer, I no longer have to sin anymore. Romans chapter number six tells us that we have been freed from sin. I'd like to just read a couple verses from that passage explaining why Jesus came to this earth. 
And verse number six says, knowing this, that our old man is crucified with him, that the body of sin might be destroyed, that henceforth we should not serve sin. For he that is dead is freed from sin. We've been freed from the power of sin. We've been delivered. We don't have to sin anymore. We don't have to do the things we used to do before we were saved. See, Jesus came to deliver us from the power of sin. But then thirdly, he came to deliver us from the presence of sin. One day in the future, there's going to be no more sin in my life. I'm looking forward to that day when uh, I'm never going to be tempted to sin again. again. And uh, that day is, I'm looking forward to it. I, 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 I really do want to be there, but uh, I also uh, enjoy my life right here. And I, I want to, uh, you know, as they say, you know, I'm, I'm not ready to get on the bus just yet. Um, I am looking forward to going to heaven. Uh, listen to this verse, Revelation 21 and verse number three. Uh, back to kind of the fact that God is with us and, and, and that day when we'll be with him forever. It says, Revelation 21, three, I heard a great voice out of heaven saying, behold, the tabernacle of God is with men. He will dwell with them and they shall be his people and God himself shall be with them and be their God. This is a reference to heaven, to the new heaven, the new earth. And we're going to be with God forever and there's going to be no more sin. And he is came, he came to deliver us from the presence of sin. Ultimately, I'm thankful for the name of Christ, the name of Jesus, which tells us why he came. He came to uh, save us from our sins to deliver us from our sins. It was on Christmas Day in 1864, as the Civil War was nearing its end, that a baby boy was born named William Clark Martin. And he was born in New Jersey. Well, once he had completed his seminary training, Martin would spend the rest of his life pastoring churches in five different states. In addition to his pulpit ministry, he wrote a number of hymns. And in 1901, not long before he became pastor of the Tabernacle Baptist Church in New Albany, Indiana, Martin wrote the following lyrics to the song regarding the name of Jesus. He wrote, the name of Jesus is so sweet. I love its music to repeat. It makes my life, my joys full and complete. The precious name of Jesus. I love the name of him whose heart knows all my griefs and bears a part. Who bids all anxious fears depart. I love the name of Jesus. Jesus, oh how sweet the name. Jesus, every day the same. Jesus, let all saints proclaim his worthy praise forever. The name that is above every name. The name of Jesus. That's the name that every knee is going to bow and confess. That Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Well, as we consider these two names, Emmanuel, God with us, and Jesus uh, coming to this earth, the Jehovah saves. As we consider those two names this evening, it does leave us with two choices regarding the Lord Jesus Christ. And uh, these two choices are found in the book of John, John chapter number one. In verse number 11 we, and verse number 12, we see the two choices that we have regarding the Lord Jesus Christ in our lives. 
Verse 11, Jesus came unto his own, and his own received him not. So first we can reject Jesus. We can say, you know what? No, thank you. I, I, I know what his names are. That's wonderful, but he's not for me. And we can choose to reject Jesus uh, like the people that he came to. He came unto his own and his own received him not. But verse number 12 says, but as many as received him. To them gave he power to become the sons of God, even to them that believe on his name. So we can either reject Jesus or we can receive Jesus. Two choices. Very quickly tonight, let me just share with you my story. I had grown up in church. I was 12 years old and I had been in countless church services and I heard the preacher preach and share the gospel. But it kind of went in one ear and out the other. Kind of went over my head. I never really did make a decision regarding the truth of the gospel. The truth of who Jesus was. And so for the longest time, I never did receive him. I received him not. But then on Christmas night in 1988, at 806 East Lansford Street in Lancaster, California, after all the gifts had been opened, after all the fellowship and the celebration festivities were over, I was there in my dining room with basically just one light over the dining room table and the rest of the lights were off in the, in the room around me. So it had kind of the same atmosphere as it does tonight. And I remember going through my uh, book that I was going through for church and I had to answer certain questions and do certain things and I was working on it that night and I came to the came to a question that said, please write the date that you received Jesus Christ as your Savior, or something like that. And I remember looking at that question going, you know what? I've heard about doing this a lot of times, but actually I've never made that decision. And so I decided, well, I could make that decision right now, but if I do, I'm going to write today's date on there, and everybody's going to come asking me, I thought you already were a Christian. I thought you had already done that. And it was going to be embarrassing. And I remember looking at that and having that, that, that debate in my mind. And then I finally said, you know what? Who cares whether somebody talks to me or not about that? I need to make this decision. This is the most important decision. And I can't keep putting it off and keep pretending like I've made this decision somewhere in the past. I need to make it right here right now. And so I remember on that Christmas night, turning my chair, I don't know why I turned my chair, but I did, away from, away from the table so that I wasn't distracted, and I prayed, and I asked Jesus to come into my heart and to be my Savior, and I believed on Jesus Christ. And that was the day that I became a Christian. That was the day that I received Jesus Christ. Can I ask you, when was the day that you received Jesus Christ as your Savior? You may not remember the exact date like I do, but, but can you remember a time in your life when you've made that decision to uh, intentionally believe on Christ as your Savior? If you can't remember that, 
And my friend, let this Christmas be the greatest Christmas in your life. That Christmas back in 1988, I received the very best Christmas gift you could ever get. I received the Lord Jesus Christ as my Savior. Tonight, if you've never done that, I would encourage you to make that decision tonight and believe on Him. Hearing the gospel is wonderful, but you've got to do something with it. You've got to receive Christ. You've got to make that decision. But as many as received Him... To them gave he power to become the sons of God, even to them that believe on his name. I'm so thankful that as a 12-year-old young man, I received him by believing on his name, and then God gave me power to become his child. That was the day I entered into God's family, and it's the greatest family there is. Are we perfect? No. Um, there are struggles, but it's the greatest family of all time. And if you're here and you've never done that, I would encourage you. I'm, my wife and I are going to be around for a little while tonight afterwards. If you'd like to discuss this, if you'd like to talk more about it, I can show you from the word of God how you can know for sure you're on your way to heaven and that you have a relationship with God and that you make the greatest decision of your life. There's two choices. You can reject him or you can receive him. Please receive him tonight. He came to save you from your sins. God with us. Praise the Lord. Let's pray together. Lord, we do thank you for your love for us. Thank you for these two final names that we have looked at. The name Emmanuel, God with us. Thank you that, Lord, you were willing to trade all that you had to come to this earth to just simply dwell with us because you love us. And then, Lord, thank you for the fact that you will never leave us nor forsake us. And also, Lord, thank you that you came to save us from our sin. You came to deliver us from the penalty, from the power, and the presence of sin. And, Lord, we give you praise and glory for it. Now, Lord, as we consider the fact that we all have now a choice as to what we do with this information, help us, help those in this room who perhaps have never received Christ, to let this be the day, this be the Christmas, that they make the greatest decision of their life by believing on Jesus. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.